Welcome back to Female Founder Fridays. I'm your host, Lindsay White, and I'm in conversation today with Susan Candelaf. Susan's the owner of Executive Solutions, which is a recruitment and staffing firm here in Calgary that's celebrating a remarkable 35 years in business this year. Susan's had an incredible career. She's done a wide variety of things, but it is her heart and her hustle and particularly her ability to create really incredible relationships that's helped her be so successful. She's got some great stories to tell us about her early career, how she came to own a small business, and also about her personal journey. One of the most important messages that Susan offers today is that we really have to look after ourselves as female founders. I think you'll enjoy listening in. Awesome. Welcome everyone to Female Founder Fridays. And I'm here today with my friend, someone I really admire. Susan is the owner of Executive Solutions here in Calgary. And this is an organization that has been around for a very long time, celebrating 35 years in business this year. Susan has been at the helm for 25 of those 30 years. Um, and she has got, I know, so a really incredible story to share today, some great wisdom, and I'm super excited to have her here with me. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on Female Founder Fridays. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you, Lindsay. I'm delighted to be here, and I'm not sure how much wisdom I'm going to impart, but <laughs> I can certainly share my story and some of my little hiccups along the way. I love it. I love it because 25 years in business in this city with its ups and downs and its ins and outs, I think is um, actually just a really incredible uh, accomplishment, especially when you're in my shoes. I've only been in business for a few years. I'm still feel like I'm so new uh, to the business and entrepreneurial space. Um, so I am really excited uh, to ask you a few questions about like your journey and how you got here, how you got into executive solutions, and now the owner, you know, tell us a little bit about that. I'd love to hear it. Well, it's kind of funny being on this side of the, the table. I'm used to doing the interviewing, listening to everybody else. I don't think I've actually really told and shared my story. <laughs> um, so I think I'll start by uh, saying I didn't really, I'm not really much of a planner. I didn't really plan to be a recruiter. Have you known very many recruiters that were growing up saying, I'm gonna be a recruiter when I grow up? I, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so that was unplanned. And um, I really was not ever planning on owning a business or being an entrepreneur. So I have to say that I am an entrepreneur by accident and certainly not by design. Love it. Yeah, I came from um, but I, but looking back at my life now, I, although I haven't, didn't plan anything other than getting out of the house and um, um, getting on my own, I didn't, there was no way I was going to university. My, I came from a hardworking blue collar family. My parents didn't have any extra money. I was the oldest. Uh, my father was strict Irish Catholic. So I was always in trouble. I'd still be grounded. <laughs> I bet you were. So, I bet you were. Yeah. So being the oldest of four kids and having two sisters, I learned at an early age to be somewhat creative and resourceful in, in 
and um, staying out later and having excuses. And so I think, um, so starting with, we, we moved from England when I was 13. So grade eight, I was dragged across the country, not very happily. Yeah. So starting with, you know, here I'm a little English girl, this new kid in the class with an English accent. So you have to learn really quickly. And at 13, you want to fit in. You don't want to be the, I have never liked being the center of attention. Yeah. So I think starting from being kind of the, the, the new kid, um, and back then, I'm talking mid 70s, the teachers were enamored with, with, um, with my accent. So they would make me do the readings and, and all the girls wanted to be my friend. So, so I think starting with that. So when I left home, uh, my first job was at AGT. How old am I? <laughs> I love Alberta government telephones. I love that. I love that. I know. Yes. Yeah, so right after September, uh, the year that I graduated high school. And I remember my dad saying to me, oh, you're set for life. And, then, uh, and that was what you did, you know, after high school, especially if you don't have, uh, you're not going to college or university. So I will tell you five, six, seven months into my first real job at AGT, I knew that the union lifestyle or, or work environment was not for me. Mm. I, I couldn't believe Honest to God, I could not believe one day I was reprimanded because I finished my pile of filing through through the coffee break. It's like, what? That doesn't make any sense to me. And then I started to realize, um, and I really shouldn't be knocking unions, but there is a different kind of a mindset and a mentality. So I left AGT, I think eight months in, and everybody was, my parents were not happy when I lived on my own. And like, what am I doing? Quitting a job with... With not having another one to go to but then I got into um so then I had a couple of uh um, ad admin accounting positions and then the mid 80s I was kind of um wooed by this uh this fellow that opened up a chain of beauty salons here in Alberta uh and when I joined I think they had eight salons and um when I left five years later they had 18. Oh. so the owner of the Alberta franchise his name was Bruce um, he had been bugging me for a year to go work for him as his, his executive assistant. I didn't really know how to type and I didn't ever see myself really as a secretary back then. Um, however, he was quite charming and charismatic and certainly interesting. Mm -hmm. And I will say, looking back, that's what, that's what gave me the entrepreneurial bug. Mm -hmm. He was, he was um, very much a nonconformist. So, I, and that's when I kind of learned like little things, going to a restaurant. Sometimes you can order, if you want something that's not on the menu, it doesn't hurt to ask. So, you know, just those little things. And Bruce just, just um, allowed me to become, I, I became kind of the 911 of, of this chain of salons. Mm. So my position was his executive assistant. It evolved into my title when I left was director of HR. Okay. So my role evolved into hiring the staff right and then I was trying to um I, I hired the managers but I was uh more focused on helping them build their own team I would yes. I, I would sit with them on the interviews yes. but try to get them to, to build their own culture every salon they were all throughout the city and and that's throughout the province but every salon had its own little little culture yeah so truly that's where I got my PhD in recruitment, people, 
life. When I say I was the 911 of the company, I'm not kidding. Uh, you would believe some of the phone calls I got back then from, from, oh my God, our washing machine is stuck. We need to call the washing machine guy. You know, and I would learn to maybe do some troubleshooting and say, um, is the, is the lid down? Oh, right. I'm not kidding. One of the managers one time called me, oh my God, our sign's on fire outside. I'm like, what the hell? to do the phone line on one like, i became <laughs> and this was in my mid-20s so between 25 and 30 and often the managers were were older than me and it just shocked me the lack of well i guess common sense yeah. so I, I learned to think on my feet and problem solve and so that role was extremely diverse and um uh I was exposed to all, everything and anything. <laughs> yeah. After five years, I loved it. I got married and I just felt it was time for a change. And I, again, really had no idea what I was going to do. I applied at a, at a staffing firm, um, turned out to be a brand new staffing firm. This is 1990, 91. And um, the owner, I don't know, I don't even know what position I actually applied for. But the owner hired me herself as a junior recruiter. Okay. So this is 1991. So this is when I started in the actual staffing and recruitment industry. Yeah. And again, to show my age, my first day I, when I started, the owner um, sat me at a desk and threw a phone book on the table and said, here's your phone. We don't really have any clients and we don't really have any candidates. Get to work. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. And she was paying me on some kind of a bona a base and I had to pay back. And I was like, oh my God, what have I got myself into? So talk about baptism by fire being thrown to the wolves. That's how I started. And at 30 years old, I didn't really have a ton of connections, certainly not in the corporate world, yeah. but you know, you start, you start by calling your friends. Yeah. And you know, and I, I'm actually proud to say what do the math here oh my god 40 years no 30 1990 so 30 some years yes 30 years later I still actually deal with some of those same people I connected with you know back in whether they were the candidate or the client because often it can be in our business they can be I love sides. I I think that 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 is something absolutely remarkable to be able to say that you are still doing business with people today that you did business with in some way, shape or form 30 years ago. There mm -hmm. are organizations that can say that. Well, I, yes. And I would say that is probably one of the biggest things about me is, is my, my word, my word actually for 2021 is relationships yeah. because truly that's, that's what I'm all about. And that's what executive solutions is all about. Yeah. I love that. Um, well, just until about a year or two ago, one of the HR managers I worked with, I had placed her in an accounts payable job in 1994, just before I was going on mat leave. I'm not kidding. At a construction company, and she ended up being the HR manager. Awesome, awesome girl. She's retired, just retired last year. But, you know, to work with people like that. That, that wow. I mean, that really is incredible relationship that you would really work with them, not only place them, but then work with them as they grow in their responsibilities and in their, in their organizations and then help them 
to like that is I, I just think that that's really remarkable in a world that staffing and recruitment can be awfully transactional. So be. I think that's super cool. Yeah, and and you know typically the turnover in staffing firms is is often very very high. So um, anyway, so that's been that's been great, and you know working with with a, a, an individual that you have that kind of relationship with, you can really, you know, have the conversation about a potential candidate, you know, things that, you, you know, maybe a little bit off the record, like real conversations mm. that and that's what makes, you know, that's what makes the candidates stick yeah. and the relationship real with, you know, between the, the clients and the yeah. my client and myself. Well, and what turns a candidate into a relationship that as they move, they reach back to you now as a hiring leader like that. Yes. That, that I think is, again, I think that's really remarkable. I don't think that that happens everywhere in that particular segment of the industry. Um, and so I, I think that that's actually something that you do. That's really, really special, really special. Well, thank you, Lindsay. I appreciate that. You're really you well. know what I really, really love is when I interview a candidate. So we have a little bit of um, unique interview and testing process. I think I've shared that with you before. Yeah. You have, yeah. And, and in normal times when we have the candidates come into our office, we actually keep them in our office for about, well, an hour and a half, two, two and a half hours. Okay. We do push it for sure. Uh, we have our, uh, we have our in-house proprietary testing that we try to try to make all the candidates do, yeah. and I can talk about that a little bit later. Um, okay. So and. You know, and I've been doing this now for, for 25 years. Uh, so we place a lot of weight on our on our on our testing. Yeah. But the philosophy behind like not only the testing itself, but the philosophy behind keeping the candidates at the office is I think anyone could be charming for that first hour. <laughs> yeah. It's just an hour that the glitter can come off. And you would not believe, honest to God, you wouldn't believe what we see sometimes and what we hear. Yeah. And because you know, we're, we're professional, but we're, we're friendly. We're down to earth. There's only three of us in the office. You'll hear us yelling and laughing and yeah. we've got a big bowl of candy. We offer our clients coffee, candidates, yeah. coffee and tea. If they're on yeah. a Friday, they might be able to get a glass of wine. We're just, we're just real, <laughs> but because we want our candidates to be comfortable, we want them to do well on our, on our testing. If we're investing two hours, having them come into the office yes. and, you know, and they could be coming in for a specific position. We want them to do well. Yeah. But we also want to know who who they really are. Truly, we do. Yeah, I love because again, that. it's those soft skills and some of the quirkiness. Uh, that that's who the candidate is, and you know, sometimes I can get a candidate in the door um, because the the client won't see them because of the resume. But if I if I, if I can say, oh my god, she was so sweet. Uh, yeah. If I can share like a little example of what happened or an interaction. With a client, sometimes they'll say, oh, okay, all right. Yeah, I'll see here. <laughs> I, yeah, you know, again, I just think that that's really cool. And I think it's really special that you know your clients so well because you've worked with them for so long. And then you take the time and that's an investment in a candidate. Two and a half hours, there wouldn't be many other staffing and recruitment firms that would spend two and a half hours with a candidate to get to know them, not just their skills, what they can do, how they can make money for you essentially, right? But to yeah. actually get to know them and to be able to match the two up. So so that word relationship, I can see how that is just, that's pervasive throughout your whole 
business. Um, I think, that, well, and you, I know you have one of your sons that works uh, with you in your business, don't you? I do. Again, that was another unplanned thing, <laughs> <laughs> of course. Uh, so Logan is my youngest son. He's 23 and uh, he came to work for us. Whew, I should know that. Um, four years ago now, four years ago, he was just, just finished his second year of, year of university here at U of C. And one morning he just said to me, I'm coming to work with you today, mom. I was like, okay, well, actually we're busy. Yeah, yeah, come on in. And then he never went back to school. Ah. <laughs> this theory was, well, don't you go to school to get a job? And I have a job. <laughs> so I haven't been able to get rid of him. However, um, he's, <laughs> he's, he's now running our temporary division. Yeah. And thank goodness, he's actually good at it. And I will say, and you, you, you probably know this yourself, Lindsay, being in the HR recruitment world, not everybody, not every recruiter is intuitively a good recruiter. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I, uh, like I will say like hairstylists, there's a lot of hairstylists out there. You can learn and be trained to how to be a hairstylist. You can learn and you can train how to be a recruiter, but recruiting it's, it's, it's the instinct, it's the gut you have to put together, yeah. you know, the intelligence and the facts. But yeah. yeah, it's a little art and a little science, isn't it? To be really great at recruitment and selection, that you've got to be able to combine the both. And there's a little magic, a little fairy dust in there too, I think. That's exactly, yeah, you, you nailed it. It's so true. And I, I, I I was, I think I would be devastated if he, if he wasn't good at it. Well, he would just have to just, he just wouldn't be in that role. That's all there is to it. Cause I've hired many recruiters over the years and some wonderful people, but not really the best recruiters. Yeah. So yeah. And you know, shoemaker shoes. So I love that. So live and learn, live and learn. I, so, I do. I think that's really, I think that's really cool that you, you and your son work in your business together. And yeah, I mean, you, you know, you're sort of managing different parts of, of that business and the process, but I, I love that he's there with you. I think that's really neat. Yeah, I am too. Like, it's nice, you know, the, I, I trust that he's got my back yeah. and he will tell me, you know, if things, so yeah. <laughs> Who's going to be more honest with you than your kids, right? Right. <laughs> That's right. Yes. So, yeah. And, yeah there's no harm in, in, in honesty. And, no. and of course, being a, a millennial, well, he's probably not actually a millennial. He's a Gen Xer. Yeah. Um, he sees things, sees things through a different lens, which is good for me because, you know, I'm starting to get up in years. So it's good to have, I think, different yeah. uh, perspectives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, can, I can see where that would be really valuable. He would see things um, from a very, a very different perspective. Which, yeah, I mean, in order to continue to have a successful business, it is important, right? It is important. That's good for the candidates. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, totally. Yeah. Perfect sense. Um, and then Melissa, who's our senior recruiter, is uh, ten years younger than me. So we've got you know twenties, fifties, oh, and yeah. Well, yeah, that's a good blend. I mean, considering, like you said, you got three people in the office, that's actually a really nice blend of um, different perspectives, different generations, different outlooks on, um, you know, how, how to connect with different people. We've got multi-generational workspace, right? Mm -hmm. So yes. having a multi-generational 
recruitment organization, I think makes a lot of sense um, because we really do have an incredible diversity of people in our organizations right now, right? Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then there's the thing called technology <laughs> where we need right. the kid around to help us. Yeah, totally. I mean, they, they are digital natives, like they have grown up with that. And so it just makes infinitely more sense to them um, mm -hmm. in terms of how these, you know, whether it's your iPhone all the way to your, you know, your CRM system, they yeah. just are intuitively are able to figure it out a whole lot more effectively. Um, so yes. I, I actually, I think that that's really smart. I think a lot of businesses have to pay more attention to that, to be honest with you. Um, yeah. In terms of how, yeah. Um, I would love to ask you what, what have you learned along the way? Like 25 years running this business, 35 years in business. What have you learned? I'm going to say, looking back now, um, you just, you can't, you cannot grind, grind, grind all the time. I will tell you for, for 25 out of 30, 20, let's say 28 out of the 30 years I've been in this business, I've worked way too hard. <laughs> Stupid. I'm not, and, and, I'm, and yeah. I'm not saying this to be a hero or to be a martyr, but, um, um, uh, going back to when I worked at the first staffing firm, I worked there for three years and I think I took one week off. Like, that's just insane. Now the woman that owned the staffing firm was very challenging, uh, very, um, difficult to work for. And, um, I, I ended up leaving there on a maternity leave. And honestly, I will say when I found out I was pregnant, um, I felt like I, had to share the information with my, I felt like I was 16 years old having to tell my Irish Catholic father I was pregnant. <laughs> like how ridiculous <laughs> is that? I was, and you know, I was driving down McLeod Trail one morning, 6.30 a.m., going to the office, and I pulled off around like 39th Avenue where the LRT station is because I had morning sickness and had to th throw up. This is terrible. And I had an epiphany that I, I was able maybe able to leave that job. How terrible is that? Right. But, but it was such a weird situation because I, I love the business. So I actually built a, a really good desk. I truly love my clients, love my candidates. That's why I didn't take a vacation. How I couldn't, who's going to look after them? Like how, like how ridiculous. Yeah. So I left there on mat leave and I was, you know, you don't realize how exhausted and burnt out you are until sometimes you're removed from the situation. Totally. Yep. Yeah. And then, so I was, I had my first baby and I joined this baby group, you know, and I remember we're all, all the, this maybe 10 of us women walking through Fish Creek Park, pushing our strollers and, and the women are all complaining how exhausted they are and can't sleep. And I'm just like, woohoo! <laughs> I had never, I'd never really had a day off. Yeah. I, had, I, I watched Regis and Kathy Lee again. How old am I for the first time? <laughs> I had never <laughs> seen dates. So, so that was a six month mat leave. And then, um, because I wasn't married to a millionaire, I had to go back to work again. And I, <laughs> right. Yes. Like so many of us who cannot yes. be kept in the lifestyle we should be accustomed to. I know. Back yeah. to work. <laughs> I was really enjoying being home and, I would go, I would 
take the baby. Um, we go to the gym. There was a daycare in the gym and that'd be my morning. It was like, wow, it was just, yeah, awesome. So then when I started looking for work again, probably when my baby was four months, because in those days it was a six month mat leave. Um, I, I applied at executive solutions because the owner at that time was recruiting for a junior HR admin position okay. for an oil and gas company. So uh, I went to meet with um, the owner of executive solutions. She sent me on the interview to her client. And then um, I called to follow up and she said, wow, yeah, the interview went really well. They would like to make you an offer. I was ecstatic because it was out here in Southeast Calgary. It was three days a week. It paid $12 an hour. But I was funny back then. Yeah, I know. Yeah, 1994, 1995. <laughs> and then so Catherine, who was the owner, said, Well, I have a counter offer. You can work the same number of days for me. And I was like, Nope, there is no way I'm going back into the crazy staffing industry. Yeah. And um, she sweetened the pot $20 an hour, which is like, Whoa, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and, and I said, no, I'll take the, I'll take the, 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 the job out at the only gas company in Foothills Industrial Park. She's like, what, what's, what's wrong with you? And I said, oh, there's no way. Well, obviously, long story short, <laughs> she threw in parking and, and then she said it was only going to be really safe for three months for a temporary position. She wanted to take a vacation. Right. Well, ultimately what really ended up happening is she kind of never really came back from her vacation she moved to costa rica she did come back fourth <laughs> right. so that's how i ended up at executive solutions and then i got into my old habits again you know grinding burning the candle at both ends just ridiculous and i've got now i've got a baby at home and i would be freaking out getting to the daycare before six and calling just right. so so then um 10 years later i got into the situation that she, you know she's away so in fact this around 08 when we had our first little downturn yeah it seems like it was 20 minutes now right uh, she, i remember she was calling me from costa rica kind of concerned like what's going on and i was sharing with her that actually one of our competitors had gone under and she was like what of course she's oblivious to what's happening over here right. in back in the real world right so then i started to think you know, okay, stupid me. Here I'm running her business. Yeah. Not sleeping, working my butt off again. So that's when I discussed with her setting up, um, putting together a shareholder agreement and maybe you know buying some shares. She didn't really like that. Um, but I will say, thank goodness I had a shareholder agreement. So if you ever get into a partnership arrangement, yeah, get get the proper proper documents in place. So yeah. fortunately for that. That became a lifesaver. Yeah. And then a few years after that, um, and then I was always having to lend her money and oh, it started to get complicated and started to get messy. So then I offered to buy her out, yeah. um, which didn't go well. And um, so then I hired a lawyer to help me mm -hmm. to discuss the buyout. So we did it, we did a valuation, went through all that process, which yeah. I found super stressful. Yeah. Um, and then actually, as a matter of fact, one thing I'd like to add. So I hired this lawyer who I knew quite well. My sister's a paralegal and worked with this guy. Okay. He's a lovely gentleman, mature, very experienced, very, he was very um, well recognized in the, the law industry here in Calgary. 
He was from out east, the Maritimes, so friendly, personable. So when he helped me with my with my buyout with my deal, um, he, he was he's kind of condescending, and he actually even told me, Susan, you're not IBM. So I was kind of stressing out about the whole thing, and oh my, well, for me to me, I am IBM. It's my little IBM. So, right. <laughs> so and then when he sent over the actual final documents, because we ended up having to 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 um do the pull the shotgun shotgun clause yeah so like oh my god so it did get kind of messy oh yeah um, when I opened up the document he had he had put in the wrong he put, put in the wrong number from the valuation oh. and he was off by a million dollars oh good lord yes good lord so I called him and said oh my goodness uh, there's a there's a huge error on this and he opened it up and he said you need to get yourself another lawyer and he hung up on me Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh my God. So thank goodness. I noticed that. Thank goodness. I had the, a proper shareholder agreement. Yeah. I called another law firm right away. So I went to like BLG. So one of the large ones yeah. paid through the nose. Yeah. Um, extremely stressful. And I had to carry on running the business. Like everything was just fine. Yeah. So there was a lot of lessons learned in there, but you know, again, the, the point is get, get the proper documents in place don't you know you you always hear the nightmares about partnerships yeah it's it's true yeah you know so, what that's a great lesson though like due diligence do yes. make sure your paperwork make sure your shit's lined up right yeah like yeah do the right things don't be sloppy in that space because it will come back i mean it sounds like it was a nightmare already but like it could have really been um, a big deal if you hadn't had the shareholder agreement and some of these other pieces done yeah. right from the start. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah, I know. But yeah, it's a very, very stressful. And then, and then, um, and then I, what ended up actually happening is um, I got, I, I got sick. So five years ago, almost to the day, five years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. Wow. So just this month, I'm going to be five years free. Wow. Yay. Claps for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, something has to give when you're grinding and, and, and working and just, you just cannot fire on all pistons all yeah. the time. Yeah. So I think, so a big lesson there is to, is to enjoy life along the way and stop and smell the roses and like, look after yourself, like yeah. really, like, like who, why, why are we, why do we do this to ourselves? Um, why do we work so hard and put ourselves through so much of that stuff? Um, and, um, you know, we're kind of our own worst enemies sometimes, I think. We are. And, you know, I think as women, it's, we can't help ourselves. So, and then we come home and have to start dinner and all, and then take the kids to hockey and all the other stuff all the other stuff. And, and I'm also very social. So I, we entertain and go out almost every weekend. So, yeah. So eventually my body was saying to me, okay, whoa, yeah, stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I think and we're not invincible and you know, for the most part, I live a he healthy lifestyle. I've always worked out, I've worked really hard to look this not good. <laughs> Eat well, uh, try to buy organic, um, might drink a bit too much wine sometimes, but oh well, <laughs> you have to have, 
<laughs> so many of us do, I'm afraid. Um, yes, but I love that. That's a real celebration. I mean, five years cancer-free, that's, that's really something to celebrate. That's amazing. Yes. Well, thank you so much. And I haven't really ever shared that with none of my clients. No, I've never talked about it. Um, as a matter of fact, I had to go through, I don't know, 20 rounds of radiation. I, I booked appointments first thing in the morning and then just came to the office, carried on my day. Nobody, nobody knew, just, you know, just carry on. I'm running a business here. I'm an entrepreneur. Like, I'm invincible. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, th so first of all, I'm really honored that you would share that here with me um, and on this show, this conversation. So thank you. And like, I think that that is absolutely incredible that I think that's what female founder is all about is like, you do that kind of hard work and you just keep moving forward. But that that's amazing to do that. Uh, I've supported friends uh, through that kind of treatment and, and it's not easy on your body and that you would do that in the morning and then just show up to work like nothing was going on for you is absolutely remarkable. That's, that's really yeah. impressive. Well, you do what you have to do. Yeah. Being an entrepreneur is not for the, the faint of heart. <laughs> no. For all kinds of reasons. No, it's absolutely not. It's absolutely not. Um, I want to ask you, what's what's the biggest fuck up that you've ever <laughs> you <laughs> would be so brave as to tell us that? What what is the biggest mistake that you've made in your, you know, 25 years, particularly in the recruitment and staffing, but you've had a long career. Yeah, I, I think I would have to say is not looking after myself. Yeah. So I think looking at using the, the flight attendants analogy, you know, yeah. with the planes going down, put your own oxygen mask on first. Because if you're not looking after yourself, you can't look after your business, you can't look after your family, and you just really can't look after yeah. your, your whole life. So it's, it's yeah, look at, like being kind to yourself. I saw a post this week um, uh, on it's um it's it's Women's Week next week, so I've seen lots of ah. posts. But I saw this one the other day on LinkedIn, and it said, "Stop glamorizing the grind, and start glamorizing getting seven hours of sleep at night, having healthy relationships, taking sick days, working hard when you're at work, but but setting your boundaries." Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is so true. And I really thank you for saying that because it is, I think that we do, we, I do this and I, I'm saying we, but I should be saying I, mm -hmm. I set the bar really high. I allow my own high achiever to drive me to a space where I got nothing left. I got nothing left for my husband, for my kids, for my girlfriends, for myself. How am I gonna give any more to my clients? Um, so I, I totally am a victim of that. And I love you saying that, that we have to stop making that grind something we aspire to. That's not, mm -hmm. that's not the aspiration, is it? No, it, oh. it, it's not. Uh, you know, and it sounds ridiculous, you know, to, to 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 a, to a typical employee and most you know i think there's there's two types of people in in our world there's employees with the employee mentality and then there's the you know the business owner yeah, mentality yeah. yeah so um so and i don't think a lot you know a lot of the employees understand like people say to me all the, over the years have said to me must be nice to have your own business I'm like you have no freaking idea <laughs> oh my god you have no clue how hard it actually no. is to run a business. No, 
And there have been times I've almost wanted to cry. It's like, oh, gosh, I'm yeah. so exhausted and so stressed out. And, yeah. and you know, and, and then you become, and I guess that's another thing too. I think you, you start working that ridiculously hard. You become, I became resentful of my business. Like, wow. although I truly love my business, love my clients, there's nothing more gratifying than placing an awesome candidate in a great mm. job. It's like, whoa, like that's, the, the, that, that's my jam for sure. That's what fills my boots. But uh, when you start resenting your, your work, your business, um, like what, what the hell is the point? What's it for? <laughs> yeah. And what are you doing? Yeah. Yeah. Like, like get rid of the business and go work as an employee. And so, and that's the other thing too, I think as, as entrepreneurs and business owners, when you're working that hard and working that hard in the business, that was something else I learned too, working in my business. I was actually approached by um, a fellow who owns a national chain of, of staffing firms. Uh, I don't know, was it seven or eight years ago? First time he came to me offering to buy my business. Right. We went through the whole valuation process. Yeah. And that's when I that's when I actually realized um executive solutions is Susan Candelaft. Yeah. So um what am I selling? So when I'm no longer with the company with the business, what's what am I selling? So although I didn't sell to him and he came back a couple of other times, um I, I learned some lessons along along through that process that, um, hmm, first I was killing myself. Yeah. I would interview every, I interviewed every candidate. And if I was, if I took a couple of days off and I missed a candidate uh, that we're putting forward for a job, I would have them come back so I could meet them. Like just, or, and even if it was a Saturday or yeah. ridiculous. So then I guess, so I kind of realized, okay, something has to give here. I was burnt out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I had we're always worked with a couple of other recruiters, but I couldn't let go. So there's that, wow. you know, when you're saying yourself, you set your expectations high, my standards are, are high. And I never felt that I never felt confident enough in letting go 100 percent. Yeah, I might be a bit of a micromanager, but yeah. <laughs> I don't want anything going yeah. sideways. No, that's, but that's hard when your business is, not only is your business a big part of who you are, but you are the business and you're in the relationship business and those relationships are with you. Um, it is hard to step away from that. Like I, I can truly appreciate that, but you do, I love your point earlier about you really do have to have boundaries. You have to take care of yourself because if you don't take care of yourself, then what is this business? Right? Mm -hmm. There isn't, yeah, it isn't executive solutions without Susan in it. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, that, that is so cool. Um, thank you. I really, I, I want to thank you so much for talking so candidly and so personally about not only your experience in business, but how your business and your life have huh, blended together, some, some, sometimes for worse or for better. Um, mm -hmm. But because I think for so many of us, female founders, entrepreneurs, that is the truth. We are, the business is us and we are the business. Um, and we do have to find that beautiful blend between, you know, where do we, where do we end and the business begins and how do we fit that with our, 
lives and having kids and families and partners and friends and being sisters and mothers and wives, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. so thank you for a beautiful exploration of that. Um, again, you know, congratulations, 35 years running, you know, 25 years of that, uh, you know, yours, but a successful business in this city for 35 years is, I mean, that's a, that is an incredible accomplishment. I think that's remarkable. Um, and five years cancer free. What a, what, you know, what an incredible personal triumph. So, so thank you for sharing that uh, with me and with everyone that's going to listen in. I'm so grateful that you had some time to speak with me. Thank you so, so much. Wow, what a great conversation today with Susan. It is so evident in her hard work as to why her business has been successful and is now celebrating a 35 year anniversary. Her perseverance through the dissolution of a partnership and through cancer is absolutely incredible. And I really loved her message about how we as female founders really need to take care of ourselves uh, because the truth is, what are we doing if we're running our own businesses and we're not looking after ourselves at the same time? So I hope that you drew some really great inspiration and messages from this conversation as well. And I sure hope you'll join us uh, next time on Female Founder Fridays. Bye for now.